Hello and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me are Ram and Milo. Hello, chaps. Hi, Steph. Steph. Hello, chaps, indeed. Uh, well, look, despite this season having mo- well, despite this season having moments as glum as a Dinosaur Junior jam session, Boo. this week... Boo. <laughs> Love Dinosaur Junior. I'm not having that. Well, that's fine. <laughs> not having that. They're great. They... Not gloomy. They're great. <laughs> you don't think you don't think Jay Mascus uh, tipped uh, dipped a toe into the water of uh, shall we say uh, miserable uh, contemplation? Love him. He's great. Well, yeah, but loving him is different. But you wouldn't exactly have him out to fucking entertain the kids at a fucking birthday party with balloons and jelly and ice cream, would you? You might have him for a big uh, discussion about Dostoevsky or something. I could see that. I don't know. Coffee, I think you know. I'd, if he was if he was willing to do children's entertainment and he was living locally then i'd definitely get him round, and then we could talk about music afterwards <laughs> i see let, 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 i'll tell you what that if, for your son's next birthday i'm gonna hope and pray that he's not available <laughs> so as he can at least have jelly and ice cream <laughs> and, 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 and and anyway okay my son's, my, son's having... more, my son's more of a beastie boys fan <laughs> and and good for him okay so well Despite this season having moments as glum, I can't, you know, I can't think of another band to slip in. That was the one. And that band was I the thought. season that was. <laughs> despite, <laughs> despite having moments as glum as a Mogwai sixty-minute jam, like Mogwai. how's that? Not having that. Not having that. Like oh my god! <laughs> despite having moments as crap as a Striper Christian metal reunion gig. No idea who they are. You can have them. No idea. Creed. Thank you. It was Creed. I'm not, I can't. I don't know. Creed are a bit of an easy beat up, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. It's the okay. same with Creed and Nickelback. They're easy, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, despite having a season as unpredictable as Massive Attack Live, a band I love who do occasionally have poor shows, but I love Massive Attack. They're babysitting Attack. for me this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over your. I'll, I'll come over for sure. I'll, I'm over for that one. The point is, folks, that this week we're going to put the sparkle into 2022-23 with our end-of-season review. And uh, we promise this. It will be uh, an honest and entertaining review, maybe nearly as entertaining as us, like, swapping uh, swapping musical musical thoughts. I don't know. I'm getting tongue-tied. Look, I'm going to remind you that there were some highlights, right? That's the point. We're also going to be honest when we look at the lowlights. I mean, how could we not be? They were pretty glaring. So, uh, look, before we start, in our season preview show back last August, we made predictions for the coming year. Milo has the receipts. And I can tell you, because you can't see him, but I can and Ram can, that he's chuckling away <laughs> like someone who's sitting on a whole pile of embarrassment. Uh, if not for all of us, maybe, uh, certainly one of us, uh, you, uh, me. I don't, think, I don't think any of us did particularly well, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> Shall we, should, do you um, want to just do, take it away then? Let's mate? just Go get on. it over with. Come on. Right. Okay. So where will we finish? I tell you what, I'll do us three first and then I'll go through everyone else as well. Uh, Ram and I thought we'd finish second. Close. <laughs> Steph, Thought we'd finish first. Oh, better. <laughs> um, Gareth, in a Dear moment God. of unusual optimism, thought we'd finish second, and Ricky Good was Lord. the close. Ricky was the closest with fourth. Oh dear! So, oh um, dear! In terms of, let's go back who, to that party. <laughs> do you remember those those heady days of optimism before we'd kicked a ball? Oh, no. Um, oh, <laughs> In terms of who would win the title, Ram and I thought that City would win the title, Steph thought Spurs would win the title, Gareth thought Liverpool would win the title, and Ricky thought City would win the title. 
So we actually have a, a winner there. Ricky well, Ricky got it right. In terms and, of the title, or three yeah, of us did. It's, it's three of us did, yeah. Oh, did you all say City? Yeah. Who got it wrong? You. And what yeah. did I say? You you said... Um, Can you remember you, my exact words? You said Did I say we're going we're gonna to steam it, or did we're going to win the league, or I feel great? Was it... Was um, was it we, we did a questionnaire, so we all filled that uh, in. <laughs> And so, so, so I had the, uh, so you couldn't try to weasel out of it later on. And so, so, um, I'm a new person now. I just want you both to know that I no longer will make auras and lemons optimistic predictions. It's a new era for me. It's going to be more realism for me and less just like flying by the seat of my fan pants. Where are we going to finish next season, Steph? Okay. (laughs) We'll find out in August. Uh, (laughs) FA Cup. Ram thought Chelsea. I thought Liverpool. Steph thought City. Oh, You're one right, Steph. Yeah. Oh, Ricky thought God. Liverpool. Gareth thought Spurs. Uh, League Cup. What was Gareth smoking during these? T- <laughs> during filling some. out that we need some. Yeah. Um, <laughs> League Cup. Ram thought Liverpool. I thought City. Steph, are you ready for this? Do you remember Go what on. you said, Steph? Absolutely not. No. West Ham. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh my word! What was I smoking? Indeed, <laughs> I really am on some weird side. Okay, um, I can look at the timestamp and see what time you filled this in, if you want. Um, <laughs> to see whether that may not be an accurate reflection of anything. Sadly, um, <laughs> Gareth thought City. Ricky thought Spurs would win the League Cup. You've got to. I think we all probably all decided to put um, put them somewhere. Right? Okay. Okay. Champions League. Oh, I know. Well, oh my God! Come on. Well, no. Four out of five of us still have a chance of being right on this. So <laughs> okay. Gareth, Ricky, Steph, and Ram all said Man City. I said Barcelona. Oh. 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 I, can right. I can I let you into a secret? One of my one of my, like my um my work situations ha- mm. uh, is happening on the same night as the Champions League final, and I will freely confess that as recently as December, I was panicking about how I was going to drop out of it to go oh, to yeah. it. <laughs> I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! I think you even mentioned it on the pod a few times. Fuck! I was thinking about it driving back from the gym today with a clearer (laughs) head and a sounder mind. It's like, good lord, what? Like, there's got to be an. I've got a fifty-six. I've got to stop with this stupid over optimism. What the bloody hell? Right then, relegation. (laughs) Actually, Ram, you said Leeds, Southampton, and Forest. That's pretty. Two out of three. Steph, you said Fulham, Bournemouth, and Leicester. Oh, one out of three. One out of three. Combine your combine your answers, and you're fine. Um, I said Forest, Fulham, and Bournemouth. Um, Gareth said Fulham, Forest, and Southampton. Nice. Ricky said Everton, Fulham, and Leeds. So he got one. Yeah, yeah, one. I mean, I admit that I admit that my choice of Leicester was driven by the fact that they are one of my uh, not so secret absolute hate clubs. I can't stand them. Mm. Okay. So anyway, and top scorer now. We've all managed to get named one of the top two scorers in the Premier League. <laughs> so I think a bit like Ricky saying Everton to go down and they you know, escape by, the, by a hair's breadth. I think this almost counts. So Gareth said Haaland and the rest of, the rest of us all said Harry Kane. Yeah. So I think it's fair were- to say that I actually did say that I thought Haaland would flop miserably <laughs> and that he would have trouble figuring out the, the, the you know, but once he was sussed out, he'd be easy to stop. So my 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 evaluation. I mean, I you know, it's mere culpa that my my evaluation of Haaland was so wildly off. But to be fair, it, 
it doesn't amongst your other predictions there Steph it doesn't really stand out <laughs> so <laughs> I got a couple I got one and a half but yeah I, I think yeah. we all did really badly yeah <laughs> and, yeah and, uh, uh, and mainly because we thought that Spurs we, we thought we were going to do quite well because we were <laughs> yeah well this kind of leads into the next question doesn't it what were yeah, expectations, yeah. expectations back in August and so personally for me I was really kind of giddy after the end we had to last season everything seemed to click we'd done you know quite a lot of business in the summer we brought quite a lot of players in early I thought most of the players we signed were good and would fit Conte on the whole and I was kind of expecting us to carry on and Conte to have you know his, his second season where he kind of cleans up everything before you know it's before it all goes wrong that's what I was expecting back in August I thought we were gonna have a good season I think you? you know from yeah for me like just listening to the fact that I predicted us finished second as as we were ch- as we were chatting away, I was like, why did I think that? And it's pretty much the same reasons as you, Milo. It was that we'd had a really storming end to the season, and there was a, there was a really good feel feel good factor around the club, especially the, the way we did it at the mm. expense of Arsenal. Um, so I was you know I was hoping yeah we'd we'd kick on from where we finished the season before a fourth and actually finish higher up the table, um, and I also thought we potentially might have won a cup as well you know I, I don't think I, I put us winning a cup but I, you know in the back of my mind I hope that that would that would happen as well I just felt that only an idiot would be pessimistic about our chances I mean there, there was absolutely no sign whatsoever in the last two months of the previous season that we were going to do anything other than have a minimal fourth spot this season mm. and a trophy and I really genuinely felt that we could sneak in there and win the title because I believe that the machine was set and the machine was running. Um, yeah. and, and, I, and I believe it's going to continue. I did have a slight doubt with the World Cup and I think we all did. Yeah, we've got a question about that later on. But I kind of thought back in August that actually that kind of maybe more economical way that we played might play into our hands with a kind of yeah. disrupted season like this. And, yeah. you know, and actually I think even... You know, even kind of up to the World Cup, I was kind of thinking that still. I was thinking, you know, maybe this is just us playing the long game. And yeah. yeah. I think blind spot number one in when I, you know, in this retrospective that we're having, blind spot number one for me was laughing at making adults vomit on football pitches in close season, you know, laps and running up and down pitches after mm. training in 90 degrees of heat. You know, we chuckled and, and, and we thought, wow, this is just building fortitude. But actually, I'm a bit disgusted with myself because that is just a little bit sort of like, you know, when men were men kind of bullshit when you think about it. But- and it doesn't signify anything. I mean, we thought the players were going to be fitter. I mean, at the end of the day, we were running them into the ground in a in yeah. a way that I think was was really not smart. And I, I, I you know, I, sh- I, I, I think I should have had a little more awareness of that. And I think come the winter, you could see every every length of those pitches yeah. in the players' legs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose, uh, well, where did it all start to go wrong? I mean, what what do we think about that? I mean, should we just go right I mean, there? I mean, I, I think we've probably just discussed where it started to go wrong. I think running them into but, the ground in pre-season, yeah. I think, was the Good first point. big mistake we made. And... I, you know, I think with the World Cup, the, the number of games that our players have played over the last 12 months and then to have a very, very high intensity pre-season when there hadn't been a huge amount of break between the end of the last season and the starting of this one anyway, to, you know, in, in retrospect, is just crazy. And I think it was it was evident quite early on. And, 
you know, we spent a lot of time over the last few months talking about fitness. You're, you're back to kind of, you know, well, you know, pre-World Cup even. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably where it started to go wrong. Um, but obviously, you know, the other point you, you, you know, you look to is the death of the people around Conte. That, you know, that that's mm. kind of that run of uh, people he was close to uh, passing away and the impact it had on him. Right. And, I th- you know, that's the other point. I think the other, you know, Vitroni and, and the others, I think, were the other points where it really went wrong. I think, yeah, I was I was starting to get worried fairly early on, even in our, our, we had that unbeaten start. Um, and um, I think what I felt was that it was very reminiscent of um, the, the way we were playing. And it was very reminiscent of Mourinho Ball when we had that excellent start under him and then fell off a cliff once uh, teams had worked us out, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, yeah, and then the World Cup obviously didn't help, you know, but we... Uh, it was fairly early on. I think a lot, of, a lot of fans might say they they sort of started feeling it after the World Cup, but there was just something there. An alarm bell for me was that we never got the left sided centre back that he wanted. Uh, that did, but I ignored it again. And look, this is on me. <clears throat> I, I ignored some early warning signs that I I felt that to me was a big deal. <clears throat> I also had an early warning bolt at the. Candid, and this is me personally, I know that you know we don't all agree on this, at the way Conti discussed the Jed Spence deal and talked about it in, in, in the press, I was like, hmm, that doesn't sound so great, but oh, well, that's just the way he is. And so you were so proved forth. right, though. Yeah, and it's it's. But what what I'm not sure of is whether that was a moment where there started to be a fracture between what the club mm. were doing versus what he was doing. And but you know we've discussed this many times. We have to believe that he was getting what he wanted because he he largely didn't say very much other than the Spence. So that would suggest that he was quite happy. Ventroni was the obvious physical moment that he started to go wrong. And you you chaps know my thoughts on that. I said it early doors. You know that was his conciliary out the door. Who's going to keep him under wraps? Who's going to keep him down when he's popping off? left and right didn't have anyone I mean I think I think he did I think Stellini was there and they were close and they'd worked together well they'd worked together more than Petroni had but I mean I I think in terms of the summer and the transfer business I mean Longley is a player that he tried to to sign before um so you know obviously he's not Cavardiol or or, or Bastoni but he was a player that he he was yeah he'd liked before and you know I think um I don't think the Spence stuff I mean, obviously, he didn't rate him. You know, he he was you know the the wrong side of twenty nine for for Conte, and um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't, you know, obviously he didn't he didn't rate him. But I don't think I don't think it was a fracturing at that point. And yeah, I mean, frankly, you know, yeah. the 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 left back or left wing back he did sign, who he clearly rated, he didn't use particularly well. I mean, I would say that uh, Perisic's best games actually were probably when Conte wasn't around or after he left. And, yeah. you know, so it's just an odd one for me. The whole thing is just odd. I think we give, um, just making the, when you made, you guys made the point earlier about, you know, and Steph, you said it in particular, when back at that point of the season where we were kind of, the warning signs were there, but we weren't seeing them or necessarily talking about them. But I think that's what a manager of Conte's ilk brings because you, we as a club, we as fans were like, well, he's a proven winner. So whatever he's doing must be right. Oh, you know? abso- and, 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 absolutely. And, absolutely. Yeah, we just we on. should be blindly following that because well, I did. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I did blindly follow him, and I, I I freely admit that. And again, I mean, I think it's interesting, Milo, because I see your point about you know he definitely had people around him that that he loved and trusted, and and you know Christian Stellini obviously worked with him an awful lot, very tight. But I just don't think anybody in his staff 
like had that avuncular slash father figure vibe that Ventroni did. And I think Ventroni would have turned around to him and said, hey, listen to me. But the thing is wrong. Yeah, the thing Let is, me that take they, you, you the know? thing is that they hadn't worked together that often. They're not. It's not. So he's 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 had but, other dressing rooms where he hasn't had that. So I don't. I I'm, I think that obviously the death of you know several close friends had a huge impact on him, but I, I'm not sure it's that kind of um, you know, guiding hand through him because it wasn't there. That it hasn't been there most of the rest of his career. But, so, so let me throw this in as well, which I think is a very important factor in where it was all going wrong. We're looking at a man who's 52 years old, who's living away from his family, who's probably already starting to question certain elements of his life. Anyone who um, and any one of you out there who has you know, going, been in your 50s, is in your 50s or about to enter your 50s, you'll know that this is a very, very weird time in life. Things get weird. Shit comes at you from nowhere. And I think... I, I genuinely believe he started to get a little emotional, a little contemplative about stuff. And I do think that these small details threw him. And as you said, so, you know, I, I still believe Ventrone is a massive loss. But as you said, Milo, losing two more people off the back of that, I think the tailspin was real in his yeah. head. I really do. I, I agree that he was a loss. Obviously, he was a loss. What I don't, I can't fill in that gap as to what their what their relationship was or what role he played. And I think, you know, so, you know, but obviously, you know, I think, you know, the cumulative effects of losing all those people, you know, surely took his toll. Um, You know, he was away from his family, um, although, you know, he was getting back a fair bit. Um, And yeah, I think, I mean, the rumours are that, you know, he didn't want to come back after the World Cup particularly. And I think that that became evident really yeah i i started to hear things about him being increasingly erratic now given the fact that he is a fairly erratic manager anyway in the way he styles you know uh but i'm starting to hear that uh, you know before christmas so i mean there's definitely something was going on and i think our early success was was tethered to it was a lot of single goal wins a lot of tight wins that were maybe masking things that we weren't paying full attention to i was guilty of that for sure but but that erat- him being erratic again is Conte. That's what he's done again. He's done right. that everywhere. So Th- that's why. That's why yeah. when it was pointed out, it was even more weird. It's like what? What you're talking about? An erratic man being erratic? Okay, that's like yeah. I, I your to your point. Yes, and I guess also what I'm saying is then suddenly you start to hear this amplification. But I think when we when I think what's really stunning to me, and I go back to what you said, Ram, is you know I found myself at the end of this season, realizing just how much I had thrown into believing in this guy, full court press, Mm -hmm. somewhat with a veil of ignorance and naivety because I chose to believe. And as it was falling apart in front of me, I I could not reconcile that that was happening. So, I mean, I always expected it to happen because he's he's never lasted anywhere, you know, a long time at any club. It's always ended ugly. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I know that... I mean, even at midpoint of the season, Steph, I think you know, I remember we did a mid-season review during the World Cup and you thought he was a changed man. He was about to sign a new contract at that point. So you know, before he came back and that kind of the support we'd shown him around yeah. you know, the loss of his friends and what have you was going to seal the deal. And we were at the start of yes. a you know, five-year um, you know, managerial you know, career with him and it was you know, onwards yeah. and upwards but all the no, way. But- but and, note to myself, I was not listening to him. I was not maybe being honest. And, and you know, I, I always thought it would it would end, uh, you know, after a short period of time. I think the only question for me, you know, I expected him to last two seasons. What I didn't know was whether this season was season one or season two. And I thought that he'd probably see out his contract this season, you know, possibly if this was yeah. season one. 
because he came in halfway through, you know, maybe do one more year, but I didn't see him go any further than that. Um, and I, and I always knew that it would end messily with him kind of chucking rocks as he goes out the door. I mean, I, sorry, Ram, I know you're waiting to get in. I'll just say, I have no problem admitting I was completely wrong. I have no problem at all. I did but not the- expect that. I, I really believe that we would be the club that would change him. I didn't quite think we'd do it the way we did change him because we certainly <laughs> did change him, but it wasn't in the way I expected. Yeah. And I really did think, and this goes back to when Levy, you know, made the deal with him. I thought, well, if you've made the deal with this guy, you know, it's you're, you're doing it because you're all in. And I think that Conti the same. I thought if you're making the deal with us as a club, you're all in. And I ignored all the little tiny little like, you know, you're lucky mm. to have me's that I, Antonio liked to throw out. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I wanted to believe. I wanted I'm, to believe. I let my support ahead get in the way of my logic. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think what was different, though, is that he didn't spend all the last summer shooting his mouth off, which he did at Chelsea pretty much from the moment he walked in the door. And his last summer, before his last season, he was at full-out war with the with the board, and then that rumbled on all season. We didn't have that. I mean, actually, you know, our bad period was probably two, three months. I mean, I... I I really got pissed off with him when we came back from the World Cup and in the lead up to that Brentford game where he started bringing up his contract situation, which I thought was um, unnecessarily destabilising at that point when we were, you know, you know, there'd been a break in football, teams coming back, you know, we're just about to go into the January window. And I thought it made, put us in an impossible situation where you're saying, you know, do you back a manager who might not be around here? You know, would, but is you, that... But you, but you surely expected it because you told us that you expected this to happen at some yeah, point. Yeah, but I'm so saying... You couldn't I, have been surprised. I was pissed off that he'd, yeah. he'd done that and the, his timing of that. And, you know, it was the same at the end of last season where he was, it was kind of, oh, will I stay for another season? You know, you're so lucky to have me, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I think, you know, it, it, obviously it's a ploy going into the windows in order to try and get more control and, and what have you. It just pissed me off. And I think, I think the other thing with, um, in terms of that kind of fractious relationship between sections of our fan base and the club, um, it was, it was kind of red meat to that, that part of the fan base. Mm. And I think a lot of the poison that we're still seeing now, and you know, I think it's going to take a you know take a lot of effort to resolve. Yeah. Was fueled by what he was doing at that point, and it, it annoyed me because I think it, you know it's counterproductive. I think you know I think it a lot of you know the failure in the second half of our season was sown those few weeks then. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing. And like just going back to your, you know, what you were saying, Steph, about admitting you're wrong. But that was the point I was making. It's it was it's an it was an understandable reaction because this guy's come in with such a big reputation and and has previously won titles. You know, he came in as the title winner, and um and so it's completely understandable for us to want to ride on those coattails and go. Well, actually, yeah, we we'll, we'll follow you blindly, and then also. The, you know, the, regarding like the the shenanigans he was he was pulling out and stuff like that with his contract and things like that, I actually I will never know the full details, or at least I certainly don't. But I really do feel that the, the, one of the reasons he wasn't at war with the board or anything like that is because they backed him. Because I think they, you know, they did they did sort of try and do as much as they could to help him. Obviously, there was some slightly contentious issues with some of the signings but they did try and give him what he wanted essentially I think Levy was a big fan and and you know and we brought him in under circumstances that where he had quite a bit of control of over you know his destiny with the club 
I think Steph's absolutely right on this. If he wasn't happy, he would have been shouting about it all summer. You know, exactly. You yeah. know, what we heard about Spence, we would have heard about Richarlison, we would have heard about, you know, yeah, all, exactly. you know, all of the other signings. Yeah. You know, he would have been yeah. saying, you know, I wanted Bastoni, you gave me long lay, I can't, you know, I can't do anything with that, blah, 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 yeah. the, you know, and, and putting pressure on the board. He didn't. You know, he just no. didn't. And we have to remember the job that he did towards the back end of last season was brilliant. But again, and this is a blind spot I had, um, I, I I don't know whether both of you had. I don't think you. I don't think you had, Milo. I think you you'd been talking about this, but this was one game a week. Mm. And when you started to look back at like when he won the title with Chelsea, by the way, beating us uh, as we remember, I think we had what eighty six eighty six points, yeah. which I would like to also note is more points than Arsenal got this season. By yeah. the way, and that was a season we supposedly choked. This is a season they supposedly didn't. Anyway, I think that you know there was, uh, you know, no no European football. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, you know, it was creeping in that the signs were there. This was going to be a tougher season, but so, refused. Yeah, to I mean, it. when when it got to the second half of the season, once you know, obviously once we got knocked out of the Champions uh, Champions League, I was kind of expecting that to happen this season. I was expecting once we went down to one game a week for the form to pick up. And, you know, under Conte, it didn't. You know, it didn't happen. No. There's a question here. Did, you, did we hold on to him too long? Should we have... Was it obvious that this this was going to come to an end? Should we? Should Daniel have pulled the trigger, trigger earlier? Should, you know, should he have gone back in January or, you know, when there was still a chance to bring someone in and maybe get some signings for them? Or, or was he right to let it run the course, give him a chance? I mean, or, you know, did, did Conte's illness also make that an impossible situation? I think this is one of those cases of hindsight is a wonderful thing because I can say right now we absolutely should have parted ways maybe you know around Christmas or the new, the new year at least you know um, because of not just what was happening on the pitch but off the pitch you know which was affecting Conte and 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 our performances and and the way we were playing and you know and, and our results but um but yeah hindsight yeah I think I think we did hold on to him too long um, but. I, I I think if we'd if we had gone if if he if we had sacked him for example around Christmas or New Year or you know mid New Year I might have turned around and gone should have given him a chance right it, it it's it's a really difficult situation because we don't know what the facts are I mean Milo you said there mm. were reports that he didn't want to come back uh, after the World Cup and if that is the case then the break should have been clean and we should have made the move but I think Levy was very is always very concerned about his and, his image and, and I think content- he would have. And it also it also depends on Conte coming back saying you know or picking up the phone yes. saying sorry about this but right. actually you know, right. there's been too much shit going on recently you know in my life yes. I've I've, sp- I've had you know some time with my family yes. and I realise I need some more time with my family so sorry yeah. but I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to leave but everything suggests that, that and, and again I'm not saying that what you heard isn't true um, uh, there were so many rumours flying around. I be- I heard that. Who knows? But everything suggests with what happened in the coming weeks that that was not the case because actually we got the opposite. We got a guy who refused to listen to medical orders mm. and rest mm. properly and recuperate. And I think actually, yeah. if you want, if you want my honest opinion on this, on the moment this really started to fuck up for us, it was that month where it was like, is he? Isn't he? Can he? Can't he? Who's running the team? Who isn't? And then he just like limped. Where did he limp in? Did he limp up to? Sheffield looking like he was dying oh, on the yeah. touchline, wasn't it? I mean, it's like stay away, but he couldn't stay away. He couldn't because he's too invested. And, and, and so for me, that was the, I look back, that's the moment. All I, of I mean, I, I think he's a bit of a macho man, isn't he? He's a yeah, bit, he's a lot, kind of the appearance, you know, I think um, appearances matter a lot to him. You know, you yeah. can tell from his barnet and what have you. And um, <laughs> well, you know, he's clearly, a, he's clearly a vain man, isn't he? He clearly cares yeah. what people think about him. 
Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think there was a kind of that kind of macho, you know, I'm a man, I don't get ill kind of crap. Yes. And, or, you know, I can just kind of tough my way through this. And, you know, something that, I, you know, I've been guilty of in the past where, you know, I, you know, just carry on, plow on regardless. And I can kind of uh, positive my mind, mind through anything uh, or think I can. And so, yeah, I, I think there's probably a bit of that. And I'm not Absolutely. sure that, I, uh, but I'm not sure that he would have taken it from anyone. I don't think he would have listened to anyone about that. I'm not no, convinced. I think the only person he would, I think the only person he would have listened to, and I'm not just saying it, you know who I'm going to say, and he's dead. So he doesn't have anyone to sit him down and say, listen, sunshine, at my age, I can fucking tell you, go and go to bed. <laughs> and, and read a read a book and just shut I, the fuck up and stay away for three weeks and send your notes and whatever but don't come close to us for a while i mean i think i, mean, I think the other the side of this is though you know that people you know, still go on about you know Mourinho getting sacked before a cup final people still go on about george graham getting sacked before a cup final so Did, if, how can you swear twice in 10 <laughs> seconds how are, we, how are we letting this happen so, but so you know if Conte, if if Levy had pulled the trigger on Conte earlier and the season still ends up the same way. People would have been blaming him for that decision at that point. I agree. It was a very, very, I I think Levy was in a very tough position at that. And And, and as you said, Ram, hindsight's easy, but the situation at that moment was not very complicated. And evidently they got on well. And I think, I think, Levy probably yeah. wanted to give him every chance to to get better and every you know every chance to kind of grieve the loss of his friends and 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 carry on and you know, probably hoped that he would sign a new contract and would be manager next season. Well, I think that's what think, he wanted. I think I think just as much. I think Daniel probably really wanted his investment to work and he wanted yeah, the, he wanted it to work for a business. I, I think you know he's like my God. I've put my, I've put my ass on the line for this bloke. It has to work. Yeah. So I mean, look. Let me let me ask this. Um, Conte slammed the players in the press conference after the Southampton game. Obviously, you know, from that moment on, his position is untenable due to his choice of words, which was spectacular, I would say. Uh, breathtaking, maybe, would be the phrase. But has you know, has he been proven right, do we think? Yes and no. So are there loads of players at the club that we need to move on? Do we need to refresh the squad? Yes. Um, but the players, he played virtually the same 11 every week he didn't rotate he didn't you know there's players who couldn't get a look in unless someone you know his leg was falling off if they were that bad why did he persist with them and um and if so I, i mean i think conte was making excuses for his own failure with that press conference i think he'd lost the dressing room and i think he was covering his ass but there was also some truth in what he was saying in that there's a load of players that we need to move on and we need to refresh the squad. That for me was the main thing and it's something I wrote down. It's just one word, accountability. It's like, you, you know, you can be right about certain things, but also you have to see the part you play in the, the situation that was happening um, on the pitch and off the pitch. And, you know, the, the, the turgid performances post Conte's exit were down to the players still under the influence of his system and then trying to find their way, you know, largely unsuccessfully with new formations and game plans, you know, somewhat under Cellini and then, you know, quite a bit under Mason. So the residue that he left um, is is probably, that for me, is the dominant factor of how our season ended up after he left. Yeah, I mean, I, I, <clears throat> I thought it was the act of a very cowardly man. I mean, it was a cowardly act. I mean, it showed such an immense lack of courage uh, and it showed an immense uh, disrespect 
to everyone that he'd spent the last year and a uh, well less than a year and a half working with um it showed that he was out of ideas and was going to throw everyone else under the bus um and i just thought I, I actually thought it was spineless it was a spineless act it really was you know for everyone saying well sh- you know should leave you know levy shouldn't have let it go. how does a guy like that walk back into a dressing room having said the things he said I mean, it was yeah. appalling you know and we can make all the excuses we want tough year tough this tough that you know exit with some class and he exited with none. It was a, I was a coward. I lost a lot of respect for him. I'd say I lost a good 60% of the respect I'd had for him went with that press conference. Mm. I think it's pretty clear that the players made it clear that he couldn't return at that point. Yeah. I, I think you know, there's talk of the meeting with the um, the players committee, say Hoybier, yeah. Kane, Lloris. Yeah. Um, I think Skip. I think Skip's a member of it as well. And yeah. I, th- I think, um, you know, I think something similar happened when, when Mourinho left as well, where I think you know, a similar group of players, or at least two of those players, um, made it clear to the club that he couldn't continue after the Everton game. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's what happened. I think his position became untenable. I think one of the things to, uh, when we say, was he proven, has he been proven right with regards to the players? I think that it's a very, very, it's very important to note that we played one system, mm-hmm. largely. As you said, Milo, he played largely the same players. And you know what is it that what is it that um, insanity is when you keep on doing the same thing over and over again? Is that what expecting is expecting a different result? There you go. So you yeah. know that, and and essentially that's what he's done. And so when you know it, it stops working, and it stops working fairly often, it it's on him to make more mm. use of the tools, and he did not. So I think it's very hard to evaluate exactly how much of what he said is accurate because he everything was so keyed off him. Everything was keyed off him and how he carried himself in the building, out of the building, around the club, that when he fucked up, when he collapsed in whatever way he did, then suddenly it's everyone else's fault. Bollocks. Absolute bollocks. And it was, you know, like like we said earlier about red meat for the Enoch out or Levy out um contingent they were saying well look he's talking about the club like in this way so clearly he's the winner so uh it's it's the club that are at fault it's the players that are at fault but in his in that press conference i don't i'm not sure people realize but he didn't actually have a go at the board he was saying that the same board is here for t- 20 years and they've invested and they've built the stadium and they've done this and it's down to the players so he was fully putting the players under the bus and not the board so it wasn't like it shouldn't have made um it shouldn't have been sort of easy pickings for the for the Enoch outlaw um but yeah he just like he I, I'm, I'm with you Steph like he lost so much respect for me in that moment and then I think is it true that he basically obviously the player said he couldn't come back but he also was pretty much like well it was almost like he did it knowing full well that well this is my this is the final well, curtain for me it, it was on it was just before an international break wasn't it so yeah um he, he did that jumped on an aeroplane flew home to Italy he and was, all, there was that photo and, of him on the uh, easy jet. <laughs> and and all the players went away. And if you remember, um, you know, quite a few of the players were being asked about it on yeah. you know, press conferences whilst they're away with their international teams and, and none of them knew what the situation was. So he put he put the yeah. players in an impossible position as well. Should, should we move on? Because we've got two more managers yes. to fit in. It's you know, one season, three <laughs> managers. And, um, <laughs> and I think... So Stellini counts as kind of the intermission, doesn't he? So he was our first caretaker of the season. We've covered this a bit in the pod as, we, as we've gone on this season. There's probably not a huge amount to say about his tenure other than, you know, it's kind of continuity Conte, wasn't it? And um, But was it the right decision to keep him on in hindsight? I know, Steph, at the time, you and I thought it was. I think when it was announced, 
we were on air, weren't we, uh, when it was announced that uh, that Conte was going and, and Stilini was staying on, and we both thought that it, it it was the right choice. I mean, obviously we were wrong. Yeah, um, look, I mean, not I as wrong as thinking Spurs would win the title, but still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I consider this part of my. Uh, th- this has been a, a season of massive uh, education and and sort of self realization for me. And the Stellini uh, decision was another part of that. I, I wholeheartedly believed. Well, if the system is set in stone as it has been for the last two years, it makes sense to see out the season with what the players understand. Um, I mean, there's just nothing to say other than I, I was unequivocally wrong. And this poor man who I actually have a lot of time for. I thought he was nothing less than mm. dignified whenever he talked about us or represented us. And, you know, increasingly cut a forlorn figure as things started to just go south. Um, but it just it just didn't work. And I think it's because that system that Conti has only works when it's got a madman like Conti behind it. It needs it needs it needs someone of his ferocious lunacy. And I say that uh, as an adjective, not as a you know, not in, I'm not trying to say that Antonio Conti's nuts. You know what I'm saying though? It's like you need that intensity, otherwise it doesn't work. Mm. I, I'm not sure it's so much of that. I think it's that it's so precise that once it's. Yeah found out and you know again if we if we think yeah. all the way back to yeah. um the Chelsea game early in the season I, you know, at the very beginning of the season where I'd said that uh, Tuchel had Tuchel had sussed him and yes. yeah, yeah. um and I actually think Tuchel had sussed him the season before but yeah after that it became a blueprint and because you're pl- playing exactly the same way every single week once someone sussed it then everyone could copy that approach and yeah. you'll get the same outcome. And that's what happened. We, we faced teams week in, week out who knew how we would play out from the back. They knew what the weaknesses in, in our system, they knew whether, you know, what those patterns were and they could just, yeah. and they could counteract it. We saw a couple of different ways of doing it, but the outcome was you know, exactly the same. And I think, you know, continuing with Stellini, you didn't get that, that variety. So you know, the same no. thing happened. I mean, I, I thought. And you didn't even have, Conti's personality. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that yeah, there's those was it three games that Mason and Stellini took charge off while Conte was off on sick leave. So the City game, the Chelsea game, the West Ham game, I thought was kind of three of our better games this season. Yeah, and I I was expecting a bit of a continuation of that. Yeah, uh, but it but that didn't happen. No, right? I think I, for for me it should have been a clean break. Um, you know, and kind of just sort of t- taken a- taken apart anything that was to do with that previous regime, and 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 you know, and just take- have a clean break. And if that was bringing Mason in earlier, then so be it. But yeah, it wasn't the right decision for me to keep him keep him ahead. I gave him a bit of credence because of those three games you mentioned, Milo. Um, but in fa- in fairness to him, like although you know it was gonna it was obviously gonna be more of the same, he did try a few different things you know obviously one of the one of them spectacularly backfired when we played Newcastle away but but um but you know at least I think he was trying to maybe do do some different things I mean I think I think on that one though it was one of the things that our fans have been calling for all season haven't they they've all been calling for a back four and then he does it and then yeah. everyone steps yeah. away from it sorry Steph you're, you're trying to come in yeah, but but I think that what's really interesting about the when you're talking about the three get the three game run that they had versus when you know, Stellini took over with Mason. I think it goes back to how damaged the players were by what yeah. Conti did in his final mm. weeks. I mean, he must have done such yeah. a number on them that 
actually it validates what you say, Ram, that it should have been a clean break because they're probably just so blown apart by Conti that at that point, a clean break might have been the best thing. We, I don't think any of us, I certainly didn't recognise how much damage Conti had done, but I think he did an awful lot of damage to these players, an awful lot. Mm. So Ram, you mentioned Ryan Mason there. So you, know, you said about him, you know, potentially, you, should, you know, should have taken over maybe you know, instead of Stellini. Do we think that's the case? You know, and when he did take over, how did he do? I thought I thought he did the best he could under the, under the circumstances. So you know, as much as I admire him and his dedication to the club, and I think you know, and I think he he could have a very bright future in, in management. But my best case scenario under his management was that he would maybe steady the ship somewhat. Um, and maybe we'd sneak Europa League like we were you know we, we we were obviously chasing top four but I I didn't expect a huge turnaround in our performances or for him to emerge as like a standout candidate to retain the manager position um so I think I think it was a little too late as well Steph yeah I, I think it's a tough one isn't it because once again fans are going to look and be like what you got rid mm. of Conte and this is what you you know it's mm. so it, it's a tough one I mean personally again anyone who shows club continuity and and you know uh, has the love for Spurs that Ryan Mason has is going to get my backing mm. um can I say that I didn't have a foreshadow of when he was last uh in charge you know after um Mourinho sacking uh, yeah, I got that shadow. But again, I, 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 I sort of pushed it to the side and believed. And I think in hindsight, even as we're talking right now, this is a, I mean, this is my brain working in real time. Frightening thought, everyone. I'm realizing that these players in the last third of the season were a lot more damaged than I could ever have expected. I mean, really, these players were damaged. I mean, you're seeing it. They couldn't, you know. So whoever was in charge, you know. I mean, I, I think kind of in mitigation for Mason, I think, you know, he had a really tough start. Um, yeah. He had, mm. you know, two games in a week. And then, you know, obviously uh, Man United and Liverpool were, were tough games. Um, I think you know, he was doing some interesting things tactically. We were changing things to game to game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, kind of that combination of the the four four two three four three thing he did and then later on the four two three one I think he he had kind of moderate success with. Um so you know he was trying things and I think on stages under him we played some you know quite nice football. Um but obviously there's some results there with the Brentford game, the Villa game um were probably where you know the the kind of nails in our in the coffin of our season were were put, you know, banged in, mm-hmm. weren't they? Yeah. And yeah, obviously, you know, kind of more as fuck up at, at Anfield. Um, but you know, uh, that's you know, if if we'd if we'd got the draw at Anfield, I think everyone would have been lauding him, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. you know that that yeah. that forty five minutes uh, from you know from minute forty five to minute ninety or ninety one, I should say, was probably the best we played under him, and that was actually really felt. Like we were kind of Tottenham Hotspur again. It felt like we were playing with some passion and some fire. But again, you talk about those games. You talked about Villa. Uh, you know, we talk about even the first half at Anfield. Talk about Newcastle. These players were damaged. One thing went wrong and it all fell mm. apart. And that that's that's the sort of deep, deep, deep trauma, actually, that, you know, some some of our supporters would say is bollocks. They're professionals. They should get on with it. But humanity doesn't work like that. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much fucking money you're making. If you've been pushed from pillar to post mm. and broken by someone, it can be hard to undo that. 
when you don't really have the time to undo it. Yeah, I mean, I think, so form and confidence is something that fascinates me. And I think it's so, um, it's really difficult to kind of quantify from outside. And, you know, it's it's very difficult to tell whether a player um, is poor or just in a poor run of form. Um, And, you know, I think with some of our players, it's a bit of both. And, you know, certainly when the system isn't working and you're making silly mistakes, then you lose trust in the players around you, you lose trust in yourself. You don't yeah. back yourself in those. And I think it's very, very difficult to, to get out of that. And I think that's where we were. And it's probably, when you get to that point, it's probably just trying to get to the end of the season and have a reset. Um, we've, and I think we've, that's where the questions come, right? That the arguments are, you know, well, oh, we should have got a, a someone like a Harry Redknapp in or something. Look, there's no doubt that an experienced manager with 10 games left might well have been able to pull the psyche of these players together and get them across the line. But equally, not giving Ryan Mason the chance in that situation to bring us through the rest of the season would have been really damaging to him and really unfair. Yeah, I, I think the game's moved on since Redknapp retired. You know, he's a, celebrity, oh, he's yeah. a you know yeah, he's a reality yeah. TV star now, isn't he? Really, rather oh, no, than a football I mean, manager. Pl- and pl- um, no, please don't, please don't take it. That I'm saying we should have. No, it. I'm not. But don't. but but people were. And yes. I think that kind of underestimate. Yeah. I think that people are underestimating how much the game has changed over the last ten yeah. years. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am people. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've touched on it already a bit, but how much of an impact did the World Cup have on our season? Oh, massive. Uh, do you want to go? Yeah. Where was it? I mean, we're yeah, both yeah. Sort of I'll go. Yeah, yeah okay. I think I think it had a significant impact on our momentum for sure. We may still have had a sharp decline in form if there hadn't been a league break. You know, but a lot of our top players made significant contributions at the tournament, and I'm sure they played a part. That played a part in like fatigue and form. Then you got Bentoncourt, who was injured in the tournament, and he was one of our best and most talismanic players beforehand. And even when he came back from injury, and then obviously we lost him again. I I think we had more players going deep into the tournament than anyone, didn't we? Yeah, and we did. Yeah, and I think it's telling that the two kind of breakout clubs this season, Newcastle and Arsenal, didn't have many players at the World Cup. And I think mm. that would play, I think that was a factor in them having the seasons they had. And players, you know, you've got clubs, it's fine for City because they've got two, you know, they've got 22 players that they could put out in any combination that could beat pretty much anyone in the league. Any um, yeah. But, you know, if you look at us, you look at, you know, Liverpool underperformed this season, as, you know, based on where you'd expect them to be, you know, Chelsea underperformed massively, although, you know, that's partly down to their crazy chairman. Um, but, yeah, I think you've you've got clubs there who you know, massively underperformed. You've got two you know, breakout clubs who didn't have many players at the World Cup who who overperformed, and yeah, I definitely think it was a factor. Steph, Lloris, Romero, Bentoncourt, Richarlison, four mm. players that I think nineteen other teams in the Premier League would not be able to ride a season without. Man City being the outlier, as you say, mm. right? Lloris, erratic form gets hurt, right? Romero, erratic form injuries. Richarlison, another injury again, injured before the tournament, has to miss two weeks before the tournament starts because he's afraid that he might get her. Ditto Romero. Yeah. Okay. And then Bentancourt, we've discussed. Son as well. Son. Sonny, that's five of five. And we're not even counting Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Who actually has gone through the sort of mental trauma that few players go through in a World Cup, let alone in that such a solitary moment. I mean, the the penalty he missed was massive. Talk about an outlier. This man came back and had a fucking monumental season. He is the true outlier. But I think think we've just detailed who who Mm. could really ride that out. 
Yeah. yeah. Sorry, just on Kane, I really feel as well his second half of the season, a lot of that was again it shows his yeah. mental fortitude. Yeah. But I think a lot of that was almost like saying like, Yeah, yeah, that was a bit of a fuck up at the World Cup, but this is what I'm about. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. And just to wrap up this before we go on to the awards, and this is you know, we can take this really quickly, but see you know, Paratici um you know, getting charged and then you know, having the ban, the 30-month ban for financial irregularities at Juventus in, in January. Um, on top of kind of all that other turmoil that we've talked about, and there's been lots, and, you know, maybe it's just, I think probably to the players, this was probably, you know, small compared to the other stuff. Mm. But do you think it had an impact? Massive. Go on, sorry, massive. I mean, I could go on. Yeah. Get, get in there, Rem, because otherwise... I, I, think, I think it can't have helped the atmosphere around the club and it co- it just caused added chaos in a, in a season that was already sort of chaos-ridden. Um, do I think that it affected things on the pitch? I'm not I, I'm not entirely convinced about that, but I'm interested to hear what oh, yeah. you think. No, no yeah. I, I unequivocally think it does. I mean, if yeah. you consider that this is the man who's setting the tempo for what the football side of our club is meant to be doing and what our operations are, and if he's busy either preparing a defence for himself or mm. like, you know, and then subsequently going, I, I think there's several players who get ensnared and several, you know, get ensnared in that. I think he was constantly, I mean, he was a constant chatter, wasn't he? He was always talking with the players. He was always yeah. in and around. He was a, he was a, you know, he was I a socialiser. was on the bench as well, wasn't he? Yes, he was a yeah. socialiser. And then of course, there's the Levy factor who's communicating between the boardroom and the manager. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. The, the Another massive yeah. hole in the structure, the way it was built. And it was the way it was built, right? Yeah, I mean, he he was the you know the board's presence at the training ground. So I think you know, the, and he was talking to the players. He was that point of contact. So I'm yeah. sure it, sure it would have had yeah, an impact yeah. if you put you put on top of that kind of the uncertainty around Conte's contracts and future and the relationship with them. And then I suppose also you've got Benton Kerr and and Decky who are also you know there's no no suggestion they're implicated in that, but there is an association. They're players that he'd signed multiple times, and then there's question marks over whether you know his transfer dealings are um, a dodgy. Um, that, that I think there's quite a lot there on top of everything else that's going on. I think if it had happened in isolation okay. in a normal season, it, the impact would have been less. But yeah. um, with everything else that's going on and that t- at that time, and I think we all felt that, didn't we? It's, oh, not, not another fucking thing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Just... that was it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember. Th- I, I yeah. remember actually thinking about Harry Kane driving into work. And thinking, well, what on earth must he think? Like, who's who does he talk to that's got any authority at mm. this club over him? Over him, Emerson. I mean, over, <laughs> I mean, over him. Who at the club at, for the last couple yeah. of months was bigger than Harry Kane? That should not be how it is, and I'm certain mm. that that's not how Harry Kane wants it to be. He's not interested in a club that's like that. So no. yeah, it would have been massive. Yeah. I mean, and there's the answer for you, Ram, isn't it? I think ideally you yeah. would have had Royal as, play- Royal as player manager in January was was your yeah. ideal, and that's <laughs> that was. <laughs> and on to the awards, I mean, which, by the way, <laughs> I, 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 I have one name for every award. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, 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 I would have made Sonny a director of football after um, us missing out on uh, Kim Min Jae. So um, he's definitely. Yeah. Definitely DOF for me. <laughs> so I think we can all safely agree that this season fell off a cliff and hopefully we've managed to uh, detail for you why uh, that happened, uh, giving you the various angles on how it happened. And hopefully it will never quite happen like that again, right? Let's yeah. hope so. Yeah. Bring on the season predictions. <laughs> In August, obviously. Folks, it's time. You've been waiting for it. We're happy to deliver the third annual the game is about glory awards 
for the past season, 2022-23. Let's start, if I may, with best new signing. We have Richarlison, Ivan Perisic, Fraser Forster or Pedro Porro. Gentlemen? I'm going to go for Pedro Porro. Um, I believe that he's well. He's come in with six goal contributions in 15 games. Um, he's brought a youthful energy and excitement to the side. Um, he's also had to contend with, you know, the more boisterous element of our fan base, to put it politely, and come through those moments bravely. Um, so compared to the others on that list, I think he's contributed more. Most. Yeah, it's a toss up between Forster and Porro for me, but mm. I think I think Forster's done very well coming in for Lloris. I think. He's our best keeper over the season, I think, and has made a difference. But I love watching Poro play. I think he's a really exciting player. I think there's a lot more to come from him. And um, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, he took a big step up in January. He had a couple of tough games, but I, yeah, I think he looks really good. So yeah, I'm going to go for Poro as well. It's a clean sweep. I mean, for me, Poro fought through some very, very hard early days in with, with what I would call style, swagger and a great personality. Uh, I look forward to seeing him in this shirt for, for, for many years to come, hopefully. Um, well, most improved player. This massive category. We have Brian Hill or Emerson Royale. I've got to be honest with you. I really struggled to try and find anyone for this. And, and if we're honest, Emerson Royale is here for January. And Brian Hill is here for Palace. <laughs> well, you've just you've just voted then, haven't well, you? Yeah, Emerson Royale. That's a whole month. <laughs> so I think I think I mean yeah, we've we've said this a lot. Yeah, Royale's kind of was unfairly criticised, and yeah, certainly the treatment he was getting off our fans and um, kind of the booing and stuff earlier in the season was was outrageous uh, and wrong. And you know, as a fan base, you know, we love a scapegoat, don't we? And it's it's so self defeating. We've got to get it out of our system. And I, I, he really yeah. stepped up, didn't he? When when we had that interest in Poro, Royal really stepped up a level. Yeah, he really did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, and then got injured. Then got injured as soon as Poro walked in yeah. the door, which was really unfortunate because yeah. And and that was and that was the thing when when he got injured. This is a, this is a player that's gone from kind of like court gesture, gesture rather, to crucial to our defence. So when he did get injured, we were worried we were like well this is this is someone where you know we, we, we can't afford to have to have royale injured and i thought he worked hard at adapting to the system and whilst he's not he's absolutely not a right wing back for, for you know under conte system but the job he is designed to do which is defend well i thought he did with the plum and he really did like step up a gear i mean on the plus side if he hadn't got injured Pedro Porro would have got the Jed Spence treatment and wouldn't be on our uh, best new signings list because we wouldn't have seen him. <laughs> so it all this is this is a measure of the man that he is. I, you know, yeah, you'll you'll not hear a bad word from me about Emerson <laughs> Royale. You, you you chaps know this, and I was delighted to see him um, gain some, I suppose, redemption in the eyes of some of our uh, more fickle supporters. Should we say that? And so, uh, yeah, I think he proved that he's a fine fullback and a fine footballer. And you've you've both you've both captured perfectly what he does best, and he's been doing it very well. Um, I think he's done it well in the last couple of games of the season. But overall, it is Emerson Royale. Yeah, look, we will say that Brian Hill at Palace, that was a great display. And I was actually rather surprised that we then promptly farmed him out for a loan. Yeah. Having said that, I'm happy for him. <laughs> good, what a trophy, yeah. Good, good for him, right? So, you know. This is another tough yep. one. <laughs> yeah. Young player of the year. Pedro's on, you know, on the list again. Pape Matassar, Oliver Skip and Dejan 
Kulisevsky, who, despite looking like he's 30, 31, 32, he's still a very young man. He's 20, 22, right? 23. Yeah. 23. God, he's aging. <laughs> Chaps? Right. Well, I think Kulisevsky hasn't had the best season. Yeah. You know, after after the heights he reached last season, it's actually it's been, a, it's been disappointing. So I think he, he was off the list for me. Saar, I think... Much like Hill, you could uh, or Gill, you could you could base it on one or two performances, but that's that's not his fault. That was all the, the looking he got. Skip, I'll give an honourable mention just because I think he's always whenever he's been playing, he's he's been like his he has courage and he's and he's got a willingness to fight for the cause. You know, even when things are going wrong around us. But I, I I'll, I'm going to give this one to Pedro Porro again Oof. just because for the for the same reasons as uh you know uh, him winning best signing. Very interesting. Um, yeah, Decky hasn't had a great season. I think Skip's form fell off a cliff after the first couple of games after Benton Kerr was out. Pape Matasar has barely played. So by default, I think it's Poro. But um, yeah, it's 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 not a great... I mean, it doesn't help that most of the season we've had a manager who doesn't trust young players. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a great category for us this year. It's a shame. The, these awards that's so far smack of like, you know, the disappointing office party. Yeah. <laughs> Where all the best people haven't turned up. Yeah, well, I'm about to I'm about to serve up a really disappointing vegan chipolada in that case for my uh, for my uh, for my vote because I am actually going to go with Ollie Skip because I thought he showed a lot of courage and a lot of drive at times to keep on dragging us through with his mm. you know when often we play you know with our midfield uh, you know overrun outnumbered whatever you want to call it and. Time and time and time again, this guy is giving it everything. Now, to your point, Milo, he certainly he's been dog uh, shit. He's been dog form... shit for two months of the, the last two months of the season. <laughs> I think I, 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 I think you you're so much like one of my favourite writers, Magnus Mills. You you you're you're very um you're you're quite. You're quite abrupt and uh, and quite clipped with your with your thoughts, and uh, I, I would I would actually dial back from dog shit. I think that's unfair. I think he has suffered form wise. That's certainly fair to say. But I am prepared to go with my everyone loves a trier, especially in a shit season like this. And so for that alone, especially where he came, you know, to come back from injury. Terrible injuries, actually. I, yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to personally give it to Oliver Skip. That, that's just, but maybe that's the last vestiges of my, you know, sticking up for the underdog and all that business. I don't know. I certainly. But you're outvoted two to one. It's Pedro Porro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yada yada yada. Anyway, yada yada. Indeed, most I mean, underrated player. I wish we we should really rename the Steph Award because you like. <laughs> i do i do you're right you're right and we haven't mentioned him yet in this pod i wonder if we'll get through an entire pod without mentioning him i think we can but anyway most underrated player now everyone's wondering who he is but you know who we're talking about for christ's sake he was in a beekeeper's uniform the other day and just showing how mighty the man is anyway i've digressed as i have done often on this pod most underrated player emerson royale ben davis clement longley or fraser forster um, I thought I I didn't go for Emerson Royale because I think that would have been the obvious choice for me, and so I've not I've I've out of I've just not gone for him for that. Ben Davies, I think he's won this a few times. I think um, whether it's been one of our awards or previously, um, you know, as being an underrated player or uh, undervalued player. Longley, I think, came because just a lot because of where he came from. He came from Barca, so I don't necessarily think he was underrated. I think he's we, we expected something of him, you know. And uh, so I'm going to give it to Fraser Forster. Um, mm. I think, like you know, he he did the simple things right. 
when Lloris was starting to become a liability. And as Milo said earlier, I think he, he became our, he was our number one choice keeper, you know, um, and obviously there was the Lloris injury to contend with, but um, I think he made, he made the position his own. Steph, go on, you go next. I'm going to go Emerson Royale because I just think he's consistently uh, been berated by some of the morons in our, uh, in our supporters group. And, uh, not our personal one in our, you know, clubs, supporters group. And, uh, you know, he has consistently actually been far better than people give him credit for. Um, you know, the occasional terrible ball or, or awful cross has often been underscored by several excellent pieces of defensive play in most of the games he's played, frankly. So uh, his ascension, as we will, to glory this season... <laughs> Sorry, earmarks him for me as the most underrated player, and I'm I'm fine by. I'm not having it with Fraser Forster. This is just all (laughs) so romantic. This man, this man could not get down to a a shot from distance. He made Joe Hart look like a lightning diver. Steph, this is meant to be positive. No one's slating your choices. (laughs) Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Okay. Although you talking about Emerson Royer just did remind me of a comment I saw on Twitter earlier in the season. I, I. I haven't increased me up. So someone said that Emerson Royal couldn't pick a part, couldn't pick a cross in the uh, Vatican gift shop. <laughs> I trust that my phrase of Forster comments will also be allowed to stand next to that. Although that is a very, very good. That's a good quip. I like that. That's very funny. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Deciding vote. Deciding vote. Then I was going to go Ben Davis, but I can't do that. Otherwise, no one walks off with the award. Um, I'll go with. I'll, I will go with Forster because we were all underwhelmed when we signed him, weren't we? And yeah. I feel uh, bad uh, now. Royals, picked, Royals, <laughs> Royals already got an award. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll get discussed again. Forster, we all. Th- he you will. know, I, I think. So it's yeah. a sympathy award. You're just doing it because. Well, yeah, no, I mean, had yeah. one. This, Thank you this, for turning up, award. This, this is a sympathy vote. This is what this one is. And you can have one too, Fraser. The Roberto to Soldado. Thank you for turning up, award. <laughs> I'd think... love to have seen Soldado on Forster in training. I wonder who would have scored and who would have saved. That would have been fantastic. Anyway, Right, go on. You get a chance to say his name again now. Do this one. Uh, what? In cult hero? Oh, yeah. my word. It's going to be good, isn't it? Cult hero. You know who I'm going for. But anyway, Christian Romero, Emerson Royale, Dejan Kulisevsky, or Richarlison? Go on then. Tell um, us who you're going to go for then, Steph. You, you go on, off. yeah. Me? <laughs> it's got to be Richie, isn't it? It's got to be Richie. Excellent. It's me, I mean, is this the moment where I can tell you that he's given me my highlight of the season? Go on. Is this the moment? Yeah, can I do it. that? I mean, that that yeah. that moment at Anfield was worth was worth. Well, I won't say it was worth ten goals, but it was brilliant. I mean, we waited and we waited and we waited. This poor bastard got offsided and varred what three, four times, hit bars, posts, and then when he scores, it's the spawniest, weirdest, most stupid goal you could score. But what a time to score it! And he pulls out all the party tricks. He pulled them all out, didn't he? They're brilliant. <laughs> I loved it. And for and he is. He's a, he's he's he's. Instagram is, is when he when he takes a dig at someone, it's come back it's to that. Well, we'll, measured. we'll come back to the, we'll come back to that. Come yeah. back to that. So, <laughs> cult hero. He's a cult hero. Yes, he is a cult hero, isn't he? Come on, yeah. love him. I still love him. I don't care that he's only scored one one goal. Ever. I love him. He's been uh, you know he's been hampered by injury. He's going to come good. I know it. I feel it in my waters. Ram. 
I was, I thought, you know, honourable honorable mention for Kuti, uh, Romero, but I think he was starting to become a little bit of a liability and, you know, and he was, uh, I think he, I couldn't give it to him. So I'm, I'm going to go for Emerson Royale, unsurprisingly, um, because not only was he a welcome presence in our defence, he gained the respect and adulation of a lot of his mm. most ardent critics, including like Milo. <laughs> I think I was. I think I was sticking up for him when you were all slating him. I just. Uh, I was I've, never I've, categorically. I've never slated. Right, I'm going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to go back. And say as well as. I might well well said. Clicks. I agree. He's not playing well, but you never see me slating. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Through, I'll go through into. I'll do, go through into an edit. Along, along with your go comments on, on Postacoglu when we talked <laughs> about him on the Who's I Next guar- episode. I guarantee, I, guarantee that if the, I guarantee that his biggest critic um, is sitting in this room right now and it wasn't me or Ram. That's what you'll find. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, he, I think he does deserve cult hero status. You know? And the fact that like, I remember being so angry sitting in the stands when he was just getting booed and things like that. Oh, and then yeah. just being so happy for him when like, you know, his, he would, he'd get the ball and there'd be cheers. And, and they weren't ironic. <laughs> right. That's cult hero. Cult hero. I've got to sign and vote again, haven't I? I think you've got the right two. I do like Richie. I think I will give it to Royal. I think um, yes. I, brought... I, I, I can't lose. I mean, it's, it, this is great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's thing you've got to bear in mind. It was this season where he was robbed in when he was back in Brazil as well, wasn't it? When he was back in Sao Paulo, was, um, there was the... Right, yeah, yeah. He's just had so much to contend with. and um, Yeah. And his socials... Well, and they're not so... He's stopped doing all of that, hasn't he? Because of because of the um, the abuse he was getting, the dogs of abuse he was getting, terrible. which is... Um, yeah. No, he's great, and he clearly loves loves being at the um, at the club. He loves being in London. Did you see the clip a couple of weeks ago with him and Richarlison? And yeah. Richarlison was being interviewed, and and his English isn't very good. And, and Royal started taking the piss out of him, saying, "You've been here <laughs> yeah. seven years, and you can't speak the language." <laughs> great, uh, yeah, yeah. No, you know. I'd, I'd look. Yes, that that you can't. There's no losing with those two, right? I mean, so I I, I think he's a he's an excellent cult hero. Uh, completely. So we're at goal of the season, and look, uh, we, we've got four goals here. Uh, I'll tell you what they are, and then you'll hear each of us run through them, uh, just just in case you've forgotten uh, how they came about. So we have Lucas versus Leeds, last game of the season. We have Skippy's effort versus Chelsea at the lane. Uh, we have Sonny's uh, first uh, cracker versus Leicester again at the lane, and we have Pierre Emil Hoybier's um, blaster, I'll say, in Marseille in the Champions League. Um, Allow me to refresh you uh, as to Lucas's goal at Leeds. I mean, it's <laughs> last like a weekend, couple of weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. The last kick of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I just tell you it was the single most Lucas-like goal you, you could possibly yeah. imagine in terms of the goal. I think you said, Ram, that he's been trying to score every time he gets the ball uh, yeah. <laughs> for us. Uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was a futsal dance through like, you know, what, three, four players, including mm-hmm. a swan diving Liam Cooper, who, as Milo said, was already trying to make a phone call at that time, time instead of defending but it was fast it was lightning and he ended up flicking it into the uh, bottom right hand corner it was but virtually the last kick of the game he went to the adoring fans who sung his name and that was the end of his Tottenham Hotspur career Go on, Ram, talk us through Skip's goal against Chelsea so Skippy's goal against Chelsea so we were I was there um, and it, it was a 
pretty turgid first half, uh, bar the controversy at the end with the rescinded red card for um, Ziyech. And it was one of those games where with the atmosphere at the start, you know, the start of the game was really up and then it just got completely sucked out by both teams just really not <laughs> providing any, any joy for any sets of, <laughs> set of fans. But, um, you know, straight into the second half and up up pop Skippy outside the box. Um and he, he he took this shot, and I have to say, from where I was, like you know, kind of behind the goal and slightly further up, it looked it looked like it was going about six miles an hour. Firstly, at, in real at, in real time, and it looked like it was heading straight for me, about you know just uh, just under three quarters of the way up of the south stand. But it sort of it went over the keeper's head. It sort of hit almost hit the bar, I think, and then came back down like around the back of the goal you know and it was it was it just galvanized us for the for the rest of the half you know it was his first goal for the club you could see how much he enjoyed it it really kicked off uh, the fans as well um you know like after that we were kind of in in very fine voice and this is mad but it also put us four points clear of newcastle in fifth when we won that game after we won that game 2-0 but yeah I thought it was uh, you know I was just so happy for him because what what a time to score first goal for your club against our very bitter rivals at home um, facing the South Stand and you know with, with essentially what was a little bit of a hit and hope but I think the, 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 the events around it make it so special so Sonny's versus Leicester um, yeah this was his coming on as a sub and scoring a hat-trick game and arguably got his season going actually because he'd been stuttering yeah. before that so Benton Core won the ball in our half remember him he was quite good um he he passed the ball uh to Sonny just just inside our half Sonny beat a couple of players ran uh, you know, to the edge of um Leicester's area and just a, again one of your kind of archetypal Sonny strikes where just lovely swerve on it and and yeah absolute cracker Yes, and we're looking, uh, I need to talk us through Pierre's goal at Marseille, which was, um, you know, it was probably the archetypal uh, Conti ball goal, right? I mean, the Mm -hmm. other team's pressing, pressing, pressing. Uh, Ben Davis pops a ball, you know, from deep in his own half out to Harry Kane, who is lurking on the halfway line. Harry uh, looks up, sees there's a defender between him and the goal, decides to pass it gloriously into the middle of the field where Pierre-Emile Hoybier is steaming onto it like a Thomas the Tank. <laughs> he always seems to run like a steam train. In fairness, he absolutely leathered it with laser precision into the back of the net and sent us into the knockout stages of the Champions League with another 90-plus minute winner. Yeah, it was so it was 1-1, wasn't it? And um, mm. yeah, that was in added time. So yeah, yeah cracking goal. Absolutely cracking Cracker. goal. Yeah. Right. So what are we going to go for? So what's your, what's your goal of the season, Steph? It's between, for me, it's between Lucas and Pierre-Emile Hoybier. I'm going to, uh, see, Hoybier's goal was so, so big at the time. But I think to end the season the way that we did with Lucas's goal, it was a moment of of rare unity in the last few months uh, at the final whistle. And so, you know, the goal, of course, was was lovely. Um, I'm going to go with Lucas's goal for, for, for all of those reasons. I think all of these goals, like as as we've all sort of outlined, have had like were were important moments, you know, and or, or special moments for the player involved. Um, but I think I'm going to go with you, Steph. I think after the season we've had, um, to to end on that note, and also the 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 the, the reaction Lucas got from the other yeah. players and you know things like that, I think that was that was a nice way to end a yeah. very difficult season. Yeah, which makes my vote uh, my vote. 
as superfluous as you've already selected it. So I might just run through a couple of the kind of the ones that were, didn't quite make the list. I mean, Sonny had a, a couple of others for me. His strike against Brighton, where yeah. um, that was kind of classic Sonny of old, where he cut in from, the, from wide and then mm. curled it past yeah. the keeper. His, his volley against Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt, in the Champions League as well, which I uh, oh, yeah. cross out from the right-hand side in the first time. Absolute beauty. Yes, I remember that. Um, yeah. We talk about Harry Kane's... Well, it wasn't his free kick. It was Decky's free kick and, and Harry Kane's strike um, a couple of weeks ago um, against Brentford, wasn't it? Which was which was a lovely goal. Just brilliant. Um, Royals against West Ham. It's another one that was um, was really good. So I think what's missing is that we, you know, apart from that Kane free kick, we haven't got many Harry Kane ones there, which I think kind of speaks volumes about how Conte's used in this season, where he's been he's been the one who's further forwards. As, and so a lot of his goals, you know, he's got a set of record for headers, hasn't he, this season? And a lot of them, yeah. you know, we've, we've seen more goals from him, I think, around the area than we have over the last few years. So maybe he hasn't got quite so many screamers there they're you know he scored yeah. you know a lot of goals and they've a lot of important goals but maybe not the the great goals in in the same way yeah. as you'd normally expect him to popped up at the back post uh, yeah you know, they're, they're not yeah, yeah. there's two goals actually that that i think of and come to mind i mean his finish against liverpool at home was beautiful mm. that was a beautiful finish and 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 again he has a similar finish against leeds if i remember correctly in the 4-3 there was another mm. one of those where he's i mean so you know yeah he's as you pointed out it's probably a little more of the work that people, ex, you know, would expect Harry Kane to be doing mm. in in the penalty box rather than like taking the piss from outside it. But actually, in fairness, with thirty goals this season, in the season that we've had, good. he's already taken <laughs> the piss, good, hasn't yeah. he? I mean, what an unbelievable return! And, and don't anyone yeah, think yeah. that we're cheaping? But I still, I, I, I've got to say, I do want to hear what you, your superfluous I, vote would have been of the four. I, yeah. I would have gone for Sun against Leicester. I think. Um, yeah. In fact, I could, I, I could have, I could have picked two of his goals from that game. Um, sure. The one just after that, yeah. where where he, he just cut, cut him from from wider and and curled it round as well. Um, I think you know Sun's probably had a disappointing season. You know, certainly compared to last season, where you know won the Golden Boot, he's a bit of a drop off. But um, he scored some really great goals this year. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Well. Well said. I, I completely agree. Right. Game of the season. Huh. Tottenham six, Leicester City two, Crystal Palace nil, Tottenham Hotspur four. Tottenham Hotspur 1, Manchester City 0, and Tottenham Hotspur 2, Chelsea 0. Chaps? Oh, there's some full, oh. there's some full storms here. I thought that Palace work game was yeah. the one we'd turned it around. I thought, you know, Hill had finally found his place in the team. Um, we finally found form. We were going to play some nice football. I really enjoyed that one. Um, but the Chelsea one, the Chelsea 0, that was the lowest XG against us all season. <laughs> and for that to happen... I know it's just, the problem is it's a shit Chelsea team, isn't it? I mean, actually, Paddy Vieira's Palace are probably better than. than just, yeah. just go with it. I know what you want to say. Just go Chelsea. with it. Chelsea, Chelsea, go. Hate them. Yeah, Ch- Chelsea was a close second for me. Also, uh, the Leicester City game I think was great because it, it they, like you said earlier, it kickstarted Sonny's season, and I think it was really important for him. Um, you know, to kind of get those goals. Um. I'm going to go for the City one just because it was the goal that uh, it was the goal that was it, it was the goal yes. that Harry to to break the um, club record mm. wasn't it Yeah, and I was there and um and it was just a yeah it was a beautiful moment really beautiful moment uh, and actually that was the first um my uh, game I took uh, my partner ever to it was her first Spurs game and I actually because of the season we had I said look don't expect much. <laughs> 
you know and i was like and city although we've got such a good record yeah. in in the new place against city i said look that they're, they're just so far and away ahead of us at the moment but i mean she I, had she she was in I, tears I, I say, um after when after we celebrated kane's goal you know and it was such a beautiful moment and to win the game obviously was, I was something else it's the coward's option round waiting until we get uh opponents that we always do well against um you know <laughs> yeah yeah a surefire win you don't, you don't want to risk taking her to spurs brentford do you or yeah saying that you know tough game yeah. wait for the easy ones yeah wolves yeah <laughs> yeah i'm i'm with you i mean look at uh, chelsea is it's always fun to beat chelsea it really is but there's just something extra humorous about beating man city uh especially this season and uh, yeah. i think that the cane you know, we had so few uh, moments uh, moments in any game this season, but to have two huge uh, moments in this one, beating the champions uh, and possible treble winners and with Harry breaking the record, mm. I think for me, uh, that that's a big one. It's a big day. So I'm going with that. Uh, so we've all, gone, we've all gone for Stellini, Mason, double act uh, games. There we are. Yeah. There we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have. Uh, Bring them back in. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Player of the season. I've got Emerson Royale, Pierre-Emile Hoybier, Rodrigo Bentoncourt, or uh, Harry Kane. Is this the shortest uh, conversation well, ever? I mean, but, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> well done, Royale. <laughs> it, oh, it might, I, I mean, it, I thought it, we were all in on Pierre. It, it might have been more of a competition if Bentoncourt had yeah, yeah, lasted longer. Point. Yeah, and, I think he was, you know. And, and yeah. you know, for all of our talk earlier on about... You know where it went wrong with Conte and all the rest of it. I think probably where it went wrong was was Benton Kerr and his injury. I think if he'd stayed fit, yeah, I think I massive. think we, we we would have been in Europe definitely, no matter who was the manager. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we should just say this for record because otherwise, someone's going to say, "What was it? Hoybier Royale? It wasn't either." Okay, we're all just fudging <laughs> around the fact that obviously it was Harry Kane uh, for reasons we just said and, five minutes ago. Amongst them, you know, thirty and, goals in a season. And to be fair. I was really struggling to come up with a third and fourth nominee for this. So um, <laughs> yeah. I, I really struggled. So, um, yeah. So I think I just took a load of players' names, threw them up in the air, and whichever ones landed face up were um, were put to the list. Well, were put on the list next to Harry Kane, right? Because I mean, yeah. he was just, Well, no, no. Bentaker Kerr and Kane were definitely on there because yeah. they're probably the only two players who've played well this season. Yeah, and it's mm. it's quite something to say that a player that we lost to uh, you know a cruciate ligament injury uh, in January is still making our list. Uh, but that will show you how yeah. well he was playing up until that, and point, how badly everyone else has, and how badly everyone else has played. Yes, no, for sure, for sure. Okay, highlight of the season. Was it Harry breaking records? Was it Royale's redemption? Was it the impact of Gianni Vio, our set-piece guru? Uh, Or was it Richarlison generally boiling everyone's piss? This is another easy one for me. It's it's Harry breaking records. Um, Obviously, again... Royale's redemption is just just is that's like low hanging fruit for me, so <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to choose that. Um, Giovanni uh, Vio's impact, yeah, he, he did have an impact. You know, his, his um, set piece um, sort of uh, tactics have made a huge impact, but ultimately we haven't got anything out of it at the end of this season. You know, and Richardson boiling Pierce, whilst it is funny, um, it then most for the most part it does kind of. Uh, uh, please me. There was a few times he was doing it where I was actually a bit annoyed with him. Really? So like, like just when? get up. Yeah, like just I think it was at AC Milan at home 
when we were one nil down, obviously we needed a goal and we weren't doing anything. And then he was brought on and he started trying to shithouse. And I was like, no, there's no need to shithouse now. We need the goal. We need you like in the box, like trying to trying to get forward. And he was sort of doing that thing like near the halfway line where the ball was up in the air and the players coming in behind him. And there was just a bit of theatrics. And I was like, don't have time for this, mate. <laughs> get up. <laughs> you know. And I think even like a couple of the players said like, get up. Um, but yeah, but, but in general, I'm a big fan of him bo- uh, boiling piss. But uh, but yeah, that was that was just a couple of moments that stopped me from wanting to vote for him. So for me, it's Kane. I mean, he does boil piss on and off the pitch. I think the um, very early the, the kick kick ups he was doing against Forest, and yeah. you know, he got clattered afterwards. And yeah, love him and, for that. And obviously, all of the kind of proper football men got all upset about it. And so, Deep Mahaman yeah. saying that he should have got carded for it. So yeah. it carded booked. for playing, carded for showing skill on a football pitch. And yeah. to which Richarlison replied. So he said this on social media. Richarlison replied to him with "cry more" as his on, on Instagram. <laughs> That's right. So, and yeah, he also. He, I, I, he's, he's, we were saying this during the week, Steph, weren't we? I think if um, if you got points for being good on Instagram, we would have walked the league this season. Yeah. We've got so many players who, you know, Porro's great on social media. Richarlison's great. Yeah. Royal's great if, if he's allowed to, and our fans don't act like cunts. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, 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 really I mean, good? Sonny, Sonny's brilliant on social media. Um, Eric Dyer's got a really good social media game, very good on Instagram. So if I'm, I'm going to petition the Premier League to change it for points for points for good social media and then we'll win the league. Yeah, it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, you talk about, uh, well, by the way, first of all, we did finally mention him on this pod. I'm very happy that we managed to mention the great man, even though he's not had a good season. It would be horrible to have gone through an entire pod without mentioning his name. I'll allow you all to figure I think he's just taken up beekeeping so that we can't sell him overseas because he can't move all his bees there. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> brilliant wasn't it and even in his beekeeping uniform the poor man looked contemplative to say the I, least he looked like he looked, didn't look, didn't look I, happy you know he got married in in april yeah, um yeah and I, i've got kind of images of his wife where he's, he's saying oh sorry love i'm off i'm off up the allotment again he's <laughs> pottering off up the allotment do a bit of gardening look after his bees and it's, it's a nice life it's a nice life i, I think i'm quite envious hey, i'd like that Hey, he's got got some honey coming out of those uh, those hives. I mean, he's he has, productive. Yeah. It's not just not just a vanity project for for Mister Dyer. He knows what he's doing. You know, yeah. I can see him being a non-footballing um, broadcast personality. Okay, up his boots if, if that's what he choose chose to do. You present on country Spurs. file, a country file. You think? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Hotspur's horticulturalist, uh, yeah. I think he's yeah. articulate. He he presents himself well. Yeah, you know he can he can talk about most subjects. I think yeah, I think there's a career for him there if he if he so chooses. Eric Dyer's Yorkshire Dales walks or something like that. <laughs> be brilliant. I tune in. I think I think the only thing that could make me love him more is if I found out he had two wonderful border collies. You know, that would be just so brilliant. I'd be so excited. About it. Anyway. Oh, oh, that felt good. It just felt cleansing, actually. It felt cleansing to so, speak positively of him because so many so, fucking people have been so hammering for his poor highlight of, the, highlight of the season for Steph is Eric Dyer's beekeeping. Um, Ram, <laughs> should we go for should we go for cane breaking records and then move yeah, on? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. 
with the beekeeping a close second. No. <laughs> I, I, but let me, I do have to throw in my, my highlight of the season, boiling piss. And we've talked about his Instagram and that's great. Blah, blah, blah. But I will tell you again, he did give me my highlight of the season. And I think I've mentioned it once. Uh, it was that goal at Anfield. It was my highlight of the season. And that was, was the highlight. It was, and he was boiling, boiling piss, piss as well. He was boiling piss. He was really. Fucking yeah, had his he shirt was, that, off, pigeon walks, everything. And then you that's, had... That's the Richarlison I love. Oh, loved, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. had Antonio and Callum Wilson on their podcast berating him, saying, you know, oh, he's he's got... What was it? They said he's got more cards for pulling his shirt off than he has goals, right? Something like that. Yeah. Some dig, which is pretty, like... Keep it. Keep your jokes in the dressing room, lads. You don't need to broadcast yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. But of course, Richie pulled a, a masterstroke by saying, "How many World Cups, lads? Have you scored at a World Cup? Have you?" Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did people, score goal of the tournament in this World Cup. Let's not let's not forget. And a people might, goal it was. People might have a go at him for taking his shirt off, but it's the only way we're going to see Neymar at White Hart Lane next season, isn't it? <laughs> It's the only way I want to see Neymar at White Hart Lane, but yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're going cane breaking records, are we? Is that the, is that the consensus? Yeah, yeah. of course yeah. we are. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. I, I, look, Last I'm, one. I'm going to hand. I'm going to hand this to you because I want right. to hear you read these. These that that first one is just made for you to read. Come on. Right. Funniest moment of the season. Jurgen Klopp pulls a hamstring while celebrating Richarlison's equaliser being cancelled out. <laughs> Stellini's red card for doing nothing. <laughs> Conti and Tuchel's handshake. I, I, it, I can't believe that's this season. Like, yeah, no, yeah, it's mental. That feels. And yeah, mental. the other thing that struck me about that is that how memeable we've been this season. Because the Conte Tuchel handshake is a is a is memed a lot. Yeah, Stellini's yeah. face while all that stuff's going on in the background. All the you know, yeah. all the other, and he's just that, that was very memeable. So yeah, we we've had a meaningful season anyway. And the final one is Arsenal bottling it. So funniest of the season: oh. Jurgen's hamstring, Stellini God, red card, no, Conte no. and Tuchel's have... handshake, or Arsenal's bottling it. Can we have them all? They were all <laughs> infinitely more entertaining than ninety percent of the football that we watched this season. Let's be honest. I mean, they really were. Uh, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll, Arsenal bottling it. Yeah, I mean, of course, it, fine. You know, that's great. I mean, I've. Fucking yeah, that just, less I think about them, the better. Conti and Tuchel's handshake was epic and just confusing. Stellini's red card for doing nothing was just so sad. I mean, it's like you know, it typified everything about him. I mean, he got red carded for do- like get red carded for doing something, and he, he did just get rescinded. So he did get rescinded, but he'd been sacked by that point. He just, <laughs> yeah. he just looked so bewildered and just so sad, and so it was funny, but. I have to admit, Jurgen Klopp pulling his hamstrings, celebrating Richard, uh, 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 you know, being cancelled. That was epic. And he tried to epic. style it out as well. He tried to yeah. style it out, didn't he? And it, and it was a, and it was apparently it was a grade two. It wasn't like some little one. Like it, it kept him. He was hobbling for a little while. It, that was that was brilliant. That was that just and the th- whole theatre of that game was amazing. And that was just the final yeah. bit. Well, it wasn't the final bit, was it? Well, yeah, it was. That was the final draw. That was the final moment. So, yes, that is my. That is the funniest moment of the season for me, albeit maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted it. I wanted to say Arsenal bottling it because that is funny and I'll always I will. laugh at I will. So, no, no, them. Yeah. I'll, I'll vote for that, always. Will you? Yeah. Uh, my only reason that I was considering not voting for it was it's not really... Sp- it's not really exclusively Spurs related, like. But it was fucking funny. The others were. It was funny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. No. I. I Let's do I'm it. Steph can, Arsenal bottling. Steph it. can be the better man, but I'm 
I'm a vindictive bastard. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. That's cool. No, no. I'm not. I'm not trying to be better. I, just, I mean, I agree, <laughs> but it was just slow pain, wasn't it? It was. I mean, it was very funny. I mean, I have to admit, it was funny watching them slowly deflate, and it was a slow deflation. It's not even like. I mean, it happened. I was actually surprised. I, I confess, I thought they were going to win the league. I know you didn't. You always said, Milo, that City were going to take it. You were never, you never wavered from that. I mean, given the fact that yeah. I thought we were going to win the league, it's probably not worth <laughs> my, my thoughts on it. Probably don't count. But I will say, I thought they were going to win it. And I'd already conditioned myself to that. Well, they're going to fucking win yeah, it same. and whatever. Just like, you know, that's when I took Zen parts, bigger man, all that business. But yeah. as it was, yeah. No, no, I, I can get behind that. I can endorse that. Do you know what? They had those moments. There was that Bournemouth game at the Emirates when they they went three two up in like the 97th minute then there was the villa game yeah. where they you know they came back from two nil down and that's when i thought oh well it's theirs now it's there it's there they're, they're gonna do it and i again like you i'd resign myself yeah. to being like if i if i say now that they're gonna win it then it's you know we know it's happening I, it's gonna happen but I, I will yeah i will add a vindictive funniest moment of the season was the camera shots of their fucking fans streaming out of the death mm. star when they realized oh, yeah. it was over yeah. the first hint of the fact it may not go their way and they were out yeah. of there like shit off a shovel in their tens of thousands. What an embarrassment. And they were, they ex- exactly, and they were throwing shit at us at, yeah. uh, for the Newcastle game when we were, we were five nil down or whatever after yeah. however many minutes but, and like fans decided, they thought, that, well, I'm not going to miss the last train home for this. So, I mean, it, <laughs> so I think they, it's telling, they really went into town on us. For that. I think it's telling though, Steph, that actually the two choices that you're most drawn to here are people pulling up when they've uh, been wheeling off celebrating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but no, I can go, look, if if there's a general Arsenal category, if we can like generalise that and just say Arsenal, is that it's, possible? Funniest moment of the season, and it's it's the second it's the second season on the trot that they've choked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's becoming well, no, a no, habit. no. Let me correct you. In 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 the words and eyes of the world's press, this is not a choke. Apparently, it's apparently no. not a choke to go from having at one point had what an eight point lead, ten point lead, even more than that. More. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. apparently this is not a choke. This is actually showing glorious signs of progress. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, those plucky youngsters. Anyway, funniest <laughs> thing happened this season: Arsenal bottling it. <laughs> so that was the season okay. that was and now the week that was yeah. so I, i'll do a little transfer r- rumor roundup on, we're not going to discuss we're not going to discuss these because next week we're going to be doing a re- um a squad review and transfer window preview so all of these will probably come up then so it's just a canter through what, what the kind of big stories are so hugo Lloris told french newspaper nice martin 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 i don't know that he would be leave, he'd wanted to leave Spurs this summer. Carlo Ancelotti has told Real Madrid that he'd like Harry Kane to replace the departing Karim Benzema. Um, and we're not taking up the 27 point, uh, sorry, the 27 million option to buy, uh, Arnold Danjuma on a permanent deal. Uh, can, can I just say, as I was reading these notes, I was mm. like, who's nice Martin? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this chap? This nice Martin fellow that Hugo's been talking to. And then it just suddenly made sense. There's a bloke in the pub, isn't it? uh... Nice Martin. I would like to leave Tottenham Hotspur. All right, mate. I'm nice Martin. Can I buy you a cocktail? (laughs) Okay. You're not driving tonight. (laughs) More low hanging. Steer clear of that one, shall we? Or change lanes, actually, is what we'll do, Ram. We'll change lanes. And I will just say the words Ange Postacoglu. Thank you very much. It's been a great partner. 
On Sunday afternoon, David Ornstein, who I think we all agree is probably one of the most reliable of the the, the sort of scene watchers out there, reported that we are close to agreeing a deal with Ange Postacoglu to be our next manager. And I just went early in saying that David Ornstein is just about the most reliable journal out there for transfer stories. It was in the notes. I didn't have to spin it. Note to yourself, Stefan. Don't talk in the third person about spinning notes. And, you know, look, David Ornstein has the best sources around. If he says that it is going to happen, it probably is, which reminds me I should contact him about the lottery this week. Um, We'll be back. Well, we won't be back. We will be back with an emergency pod as soon as... Yes, there we go. There we go. And we'll be setting fire to a pile of mental as anything records if he signs a new deal with Celtic. Oh, you are beaming, aren't you? Look at you. Are they more cheerful than Dinosaur Junior? Mental as anything. Live it up. Team tune from... um, Live it up. Team tune from um, Crocodile Dundee. So a little oh, more wow. cheerful than Dinosaur Junior. Yeah. I'd like to hear a Dinosaur Junior theme tune for Ange Postacoglu. That would be interesting. No takers there. Thank you, chaps. <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> I've been deadpanned by Milo. It's been and a long season. It's been mate. a long. It has, and you know what? <laughs> the quality of that final joke as we wrap up this season review may very well encapsulate <laughs> just what a poor season it has been by our standards. But you know what, chaps? I've got to say, in all seriousness, I, I love the fact that we still find time and space uh to to have a laugh and to find some entertaining moments as well you've got to you know and i hope looking forward that we can all remember that to look forward and and to look for the bright spots and hopefully there'll be many many more let's face it can't go much worse can it anyway thanks chaps that's a lot of fun cheers steph yeah we'll, we'll be back next week to review our squad and to try to work out who to keep and who to spend the summer trying to flog we're going to make sure that milo uh is is, is ordered actually to keep at least a semblance of a squad because otherwise he would sell them all uh so we're not going to let him do that but yes well, anyway we're going to try and figure out who's going who's staying who's not before the final day of the window we might be back before then getting all eve angelical not my pun not my pun thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week